Hi, uh, this is Nao Komori Toshiko from Torchwood, and this is Geek Pride Podcast. guest with us uh we're on a roll guest every week for you know the last sort of four or five weeks it's all good um so uh with me as always we have uh peter ray allison good evening everyone uh mark canty good to see you all and our special guest tonight chloe mascheter hello welcome chloe thank you very much for joining us i appreciate your time um so first up who are you what do you do (laughs) <laughs> there's the question who you know why are you here what what what's your what do you do who am i why am i here yeah. people sound just like incredibly ominous or like the deepest philosophical questions <laughs> um i i am a uh tabletop game maker i am a dm for a gm for live streams and uh staged events and open gaming events um i also have played on live streams and things like that and I my background kind of outside of games is in interactive theater so like street games and immersive interactive game-based shows um so obviously that kind of feeds in a lot to game stuff and I um make games as Roll Flip Draw on Itch and I'm also one of the founders of Adventurers Wanted who do a lot of uh, predominantly D and D live streams, but sometimes various other systems. So I think does that kind of cover who am I, why am I here? Yeah, it's, what very, am I doing? It's, it's very comprehensive. Uh, mm-hmm. Hello to Fears on Twitch, uh, welcome. Um, so what uh, you, you make games? What what sort of games have you made, or is, is there anything we might be aware of? Um, I don't know if it's going to be stuff that that you're aware of. Um, but the well, my most recent game which has definitely been the most kind of lovingly received is a game called time heist uh, where you basically players play as a series of criminals who are trying to steal the world's first time travel machine it's a very difficult job but luckily they have the help of their future selves who have already stolen the machine in the future (laughs) so can come back to help with the time heist now um so some of my games are quite just silly fun kind of one and done games and then there's slightly more emotional or weird ones there's a game i'm releasing tomorrow or rather it's six games it's uh, called otherworld and it's basically a set of six very different uh one player games that are all set in like a kind of twilight zone world but like one's card based one's journaling one's an audio game but they're all forms of role-playing games so it's lots of different bits and pieces um if anyone's ever heard of the uncaged anthology i also wrote one of the adventures for volume three it was for the the lowest level adventurers so it was right at the front of the book which i was very pleased with even though it means nothing kind of quantitatively um but yeah that's the kind of bits and pieces that i do um so the the sort of um these are all tabletop games i'm assuming yes uh yes like the only thing that kind of probably isn't tabletop is that is that one audio game um but it's still role-playing but the majority of the stuff that i do is tabletop 
Okay. And uh, are do you have a sort of um, what's the word? Do you do you have a preference in the type of games you play? Now, myself and I and no doubt Mr. Canty uh, below me uh, have a preference in our in our miniature war gaming. Um, what do you have? You know, European type games. Uh, what sort of what do you what do you go for? What what floats your boat? Um, I'll say that like quite a bit of what floats my boat has shifted since what I'm going to generically call lockdown, just like since the start of March, um, because I I was playing, for instance, in maybe like seven different D&D campaigns and such like. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a lot of friends who are DMs, so lots of chances to play where I don't necessarily have to DM. Um, but since then, actually, especially because of doing stuff remotely, I'm now very into quite mechanics light campaign systems um, or one shot systems. So stuff like Quest or stuff like Fiasco, um, Grant Howitt's one pages, things that are very much, it's more about the choices that you want to make as a player rather than the things that your character might mechanically be capable of doing, um, if that makes sense as a distinction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and being able to be a bit more freewheeling and worrying less about kind of really crunchy mechanics when I'm already spending a lot of energy dealing with like screen time um, has probably been why I'm currently most feeling games like that. Okay, okay. Um, I I am very much into if if it doesn't have nice sort of miniatures and the rules don't sort of you know if the game doesn't take you. 25 hours and uh you know there's like numerous rules and lots of nice little miniatures and a big board and things i generally am not interested but but um conversely i never thought i would get into sort of kind of little fast card games but the game the resistance i love it i love that game uh and it's basically the card version of among us if you play among us on online and stuff which is a big thing at the minute but it's just it's like mafia and werewolf i think and stuff like that but i love that game i love it it's just sort of it's very quick and yeah it's amazing for parties and stuff but in general it, it, it it's miniature based games and they have to be kind of complicated or i generally am not interested (laughs) i I run the tech for a live stream of werewolf and i have every single week since the start of lockdown and so once a week i just sit down and like study people lying to each other (laughs) it's been been really fascinating Um, and i i'd hoped that it had made me better at werewolf but i played it a couple of weeks back and i was still just as transparent and gullible as ever yeah you get games like that you have to sort of um you have to have a constant sort of game face throughout if you're if you are them or not like if you're in in resistance yeah. if you're the if you're a, a resistance member or if you're not you literally got to do the same thing throughout because you start showing tells and that's when you get it and that's you know it's game over um i i find you also get um if if you're the you know the the imposter or the the resistance member or the werewolf too often people hold grudges <laughs> and then when you're not they're like it's definitely you you say it's not me this time i promise you said that last time and i was like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it ruins friendships like i remember having a game at a dinner party once and uh, my mate was there with his wife and um they were getting really into it and he just basically turned around and said i swear to god if you're it 
that our our wedding is over our relationship is over <laughs> she said it's not me it was her but it was just it was so amusing so good um when, when you release your games when you release your games do you do it like do you do kickstarter do you do how do you how do you do it um currently i i just release them um on itch or on drive through rpg they're only digital copies uh, okay um, i'm currently there's a really wonderful thing called the tabletop mentoring program um which links up uh basically just anyone who is kind of part of or wants to be part of the tabletop making community uh with people that might have a bit more experience in certain areas and my current mentorship is because there is a game that i want to make that's a little bit more involved and going to require a bit more work um and i'm looking at kickstarter or crowdfunding in order to do that currently that's like my big thing for next year is shifting not necessarily like away from digital only self-published stuff but getting into like some kind of bulkier games that i want to make is that is that intimidating for you going from sort of digital to suddenly something tangible oh god yeah um massively so partially because something that's been really nice in um like lockdown because theater and live performance which was everything i did really disappeared um making like digital uh pdf versions of games and such like was something that was so accessible um for me to do and like even just i i was looking at like card printing finances and like the customs of sending packages to different countries and my head was spinning um so I'm very thankful for the the mentorship program because if it was just me like scrabbling around um thankfully there's there's a lot of nice people that I know in tabletop who are more than happy to kind of like help others out and chat about their experiences um so that you could you can make new mistakes but you at least won't make um, the mistakes they made. <laughs> uh, our very own Bevan Clatworthy, um, he uh, has released a game uh, with Tinker, I think they're called Tinkerbot Games, I think. Um, they released a game called uh, Ghostel uh, successfully on Kickstarter a few years back, and they've got a new one coming out. Um, so, yeah, or is it out now? Is it out now? Uh, well, it's it's called uh, Haunt Culture, uh, which is basically a spiritual successor to Ghost Tale. And yeah, it just it amazes me because uh, they they they're super into it. Like they have days dedicated to just game testing and doing stuff. And mm. I sat there and I talked to him the other day about a game that I wanted to do, and I've been wanting to do it for years. Um, but I just don't have the the as much as I like complicated games and stuff. The the concept of getting you know a designer in and getting somebody to do boxes and then somebody to do this and then all the things that could go wrong um like like we did some kickstarters for charity uh, some charity kickstarters and stuff um for geek pride and they were stressful enough just to get things for people and then you know uh things go wrong and then people are moaning about stuff and you're just like ah, ah and it's just the whole thing's just so it's overwhelming you know and it's uh yeah. so i feel i feel the pain i you know braver braver than i basically because um yeah so i've got a lot of respect for anybody who does something like that anybody who can sort of release a game or go into that because i'd love to be able to do it but one i've got the fear that it would fail and two 
it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of work. I've got a friend who, um, he works with me. I work in e-commerce during the day, helping people to do various things. And he's bought from a, he's bought basically Woodlock, Stock and Barrel, a company that um, sells dice and figures and things like that. Because the guy who owns it originally um, has a manufacturing business for dice, but he never really made much of it. And he gave it, he, he let someone else run it for him and the guy ran it into the ground. So he bought this company and then he had to explain to his wife he had to buy a unit. And now he's talking to me saying, so we've got all these figures and all these things. And I was thinking, I might like to look at doing some rule publishing stuff like that. You like writing, don't you? I was like, yes. He goes, <laughs> so you know, just write some rules. I was like, we need to have a long chat. <laughs> some of that, and it may involve some very short words and some very long words. But yes, it does interest me. No, I'm not going to pull a full game system out of my backside, fully formed. Yes, it will be horrendously torturous and painful. And no, I'm not doing all the work. And he just went quiet. I went, okay. <laughs> I, I would love it if you were asked to just kind of write some rules. And you were like, sure. And then you just send over a PDF of just various unrelated, disconnected <laughs> rules that just exist outside of yeah. anything. We had a we had a group. Uh, well, we've got a group. Um, me and a few friends, Ben Fee from Geek Pride, um, Paul uh, Paul Gibson. Uh, he used to do stuff for Geek Pride. Was on a another uh, podcast called Game Overcast. Um, my mate John Marsden and um, Matt might have just vanished. Have I? Have I gone? Matt, you've gone silent. Oh no, I don't. Uh, it's OBS That's again. Suspect we're having issues with OBS <laughs> again. Uh, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's gone red. Oh, we're back. I'm a back. Oh, I'm a yes, back. back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the 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 evil OBS red square turned up, and I was like, no, but I could hear you. So it wasn't oh, internet access. It, 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 yeah, it's just like, oh no. Uh, but yeah, sorry. And myself, Ben Fee, um, Paul Gibson, and uh, John Marsden, we had this sort of like little group, and we were going to call ourselves Oubliette Games. We had a little logo, logo and stuff, and we were going to sort of, and we had all these amazing ideas, and even like Ben was so good. Like Ben Fee is an amazing games master. You know, for anybody, if you want to do dun- Dungeons and Dragons or Rogue Trader or any RPG thing, he's amazing. So so good at it. So good. Um and he came up with like so many different games he came up with like these card games ele- like this elemental card game that we had and he had this sort of like card based um like gunslinging game and stuff and he had all these things and we we went through this for about you know a couple of months of being super into it and then life just got in the way and you know every now and again we come up with sort of you'll hear a, a message that hasn't you know we haven't talked to each other in that group for about three or four months and somebody go what about a game about teddy bears but it's you have to sort of basically save the child from being sort of taken by monsters and getting woken up and scared and stuff so, and you're a teddy bear under the bed and blah 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 and i was just like that's such a good idea but we you know other than the idea of it we haven't really done a lot with it and it's just like you know by the way if anybody comes up with a game about teddy bears as an rpg under a bed i'm suing suing right now <laughs> that's our game <laughs> Uh, and then yeah, I have all down mail it to yourself so you got some proof yeah I, well it's on this, <laughs> this podcast now so teddy bears under a bed waking up children blah 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 don't you dare um, but uh, we've, I've got this one that I want to do um, and I was talking to Bevan about it um, and it's like 4 <clears throat> 4D strategic war game but where it's like land sea air and space and I want it to be to the point where it's like it can be a small 
so it could be played on a coffee table for like you know skirmish type but it could be massive like huge i want it to be scalable i don't want it to be this sort of thing I could for and then i was saying to him i was like dude it could be like a lore based game where this is ties in with other things so you could have card games but the card games can affect the the board game so you can have tournaments where people who you're like i play card games so they're better at that and you have the, all these different layers to it and stuff and he's like wow yeah and i was just like that'll be amazing i'm not gonna be able to do it but that's, that's the I can idea. feel the rubber wallpaper and the long sleeve jackets already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like, do you know what? I, I I got myself. I started writing some rules. I I was bored one day and I started and I got a spreadsheet. I started writing rules and I was writing rules for weather. And I went, wow, this is gonna be so complicated. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Man, that's gonna... why he loves it. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's what comes first when you're creating a game, Chloe? Is it the rules, the theme, or the idea? I mean, what to you is like the most important, the core aspect of the game? Okay. Um, it, it, for me, it varies game by game. Um, because, for instance, like to take Time Heist, like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, they say the phrase Time Heist in Avengers Endgame. And I just thought the sound of those two words together. And I was like, there's a thing. There's a thing. And I know it's a thing I want to make. <laughs> and then all of the playtesting of that game it the core was how how do your future selves help you and how do you get that really fun thing in time travel where you see your future self but they're drenched to the skin or they're covered in confetti or they've got an injury or something and you have to figure out you already know the end of the story how do you get there is the fun bit so it was trying to figure out that core mechanic which for me is like the core of what that game is um for other games sometimes it's just the tone and the kind of general theme because it's like i just want this to be very silly and have like a lot of jokes in how it's written and i want the um there's one game that i made which was kind of inspired by stuff like galaxy quest and uh dark place uh, in terms of like just badly made cult things um i'm aware that neither of those are they're both like deliberately badly made things um but in there there's kind of mechanics where it's like you get advantage if your character uses a skill in a way other than what it should be so for instance if if your character one of your character skill is guns but you use a gun to unlock a door by shooting at it you get advantage because that makes no sense. And because, of course, a bad TV show is going to have stuff that makes no sense. Um, so, so a lot of, I think a lot of stuff boils down to me for, like, how <coughs> does Panic express something really fun? Um, and for, for me, like, obviously I'm saying mechanic because a lot of the stuff that I like to make is quite kind of condensed, um, aside from, like, the bigger projects that I'm looking forward to. And so it is mainly about like a very specific like core mechanical thing. Um, but yeah, I think it's that kind of thing. It, it, yeah, it depends totally on, on each game. And it also gets more blurry with every game I make because every game you make, it gets like a little bit easier to figure your way through. And so it gets a bit more blurred between the different aspects that when you were starting, you were just going like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to Google like game design questions and then I'm going to go through all the questions and answer them. So I know what I'm doing with game design. Um, Yeah. That's kind of my general approach. 
And one thing I found, um, and I don't sure if it's the same with you, but I find like there's like I've got a lot of friends, like uh, my friend Becca, Geek Pride Becca, um, and um, you know other people and stuff who they're massively into their D and D, which is quite complicated. D and D, you know, as as a game goes, I would say is one one of the more complicated games out there. You know, it, it's more complicated than Warhammer. It's more complicated than some of the war games and stuff I play, but. They pref- they love that game, but yet they when you uh, like when we go to you know we used to go to their house to play games and stuff. It, w- it was always short, fast games that they wanted to play, which is odd because you're playing potentially the longest game uh, out there because you know it can yeah. go on for years. Um, but yet when you're playing at a table, it seems to be that you, you know they just want to play short, fast card games and stuff. And I've always found that quite odd because with me. I like games to last longer because I feel like I'm getting my money's worth in a way. Um, and it's just like, you know, it, like I said, every Christmas, me and my brother play Axis and Allies or we play um, some really convolutedly long game. But it's like, you know, we feel like at the end of it, win or lose, you've had a good game out of it. And it's just, it's odd. Uh, is it the same with you? Do you if do, do you prefer playing shorter games like, as much as you do D&D? Would you prefer just to play short games? um and to be honest like i really enjoy like playing in campaigns yeah. whether that's D or another system um partially because like i love the kind of stories that you have with characters yeah, over yeah. that long a time i love the slow burn and the payoff that you get um and like i i started playing like D was the first tabletop game that i really started playing um, and that was about four or five years ago because I wanted to do a marathon version of it at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, and we ended up doing a show that was 10 hours a day for 25 days to be a 250 hour campaign over the course of a month. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> it's not something that I intend to really do again. We did like a hundred hours the next year to kind of thin it down a bit. Um, we had three DMs on rotation. We would have people who would come into play for an hour or regular players who would play for slightly longer blocks. We had two sets of five hours every day just to keep this thing going. But what it did was it was like, it's like the, the scale and size of the story we got to tell over that period was awesome. Um, how does that work? How, how do you get three DMs telling the same story and stuff? Or is it a case of you, you link things together as you go along? you you make sure that the story you're telling is very much um there are people on a ship who have things they have to do um and today this is the thing they're doing and tomorrow this is the thing they're doing Ah, it's kind of part of a a larger thing but it's very much here's a number of MacGuffins that people need to get to achieve this final thing all right Um, so they can't sabotage the whole thing by doing something stupid it's just like you know little part it's compartmentalized basically yeah it was trying to like think about like the the actual (coughs) was very much designed with the fact that it was going to be that structure in mind um and also like a big bulk was written before the month but quite a lot especially like the ending because some very unpredictable things as happens in D&D happened um and then the final section was written kind of off the back of everything that had gone beforehand um so yeah i I love that kind of scale of stuff 
what I'll say is about shorter games, what I really get out of them is because a lot of the short games that I play are still kind of um, often like dice, pen and paper role playing games. But what's really lovely is uh, doing those like quick callbacks and trying to make something that feels actually really satisfying in a short amount of time. Um, definitely if I'm running them, then I don't feel like I'm having to plan as much. Um, and I am purely responding to what the players are doing rather than thinking in the back of my head, uh, stat block for this thing. And don't forget, I'm trying to like make this person's backstory from three episodes pay off like soon. Um, so I, it, it kind of, it very much depends what kind of a mood I'm in, but I'd say that that mood is more about like, do I want to get deeply emotionally engaged with something today? In which case, like a session of a longer thing is great. Or do I want to just like tip my dip my toe in um, and have just like a very kind of like in and out play around, I guess is what I tend to go for. I, uh, how do you, um, so you, you talked about reacting to players. Now, I I have dabble. I, I I have decided, I threw my gauntlet into the ring, the, D&D, the D, DM ring and the D&D ring, because I haven't played D&D since I was a kid um, recently. Uh, I started off with a one shot, which worked quite well. Um, I ran a false, I, I ran, I ran a, uh, a false hydra, if you've ever used a false hydra before. Um, I've, as a player, I've fought a Hydra, but I think it was slightly homebrewed by the uh, DM. Right. The, 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 if you ever get a chance, get somebody to run a false Hydra for you, because okay. don't, don't, don't read do it. it. Don't, don't read, don't, don't, do don't, it. don't look into it. Just get somebody, somebody who knows about it to do it, yeah. because it, it's sort of, have you ever played Call of Cthulhu? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's more about investigation and it's more about um, dealing with weird things that are going on and about you figuring out how to deal with that situation. Um, it's not about shooting fireballs, Peter, at things that you probably shouldn't be shooting <laughs> so fireballs I, in my In my defense, we had preempted, we had warned the GM that when when someone next sees that head, don't don't spoil it. She doesn't know yet. Don't no spoil spoilers. it. Well, I'm just something. I will do fireball. We saw something. My mage cast fireball. <laughs> and at that point, the GM had said, "No, no, no, no. If that happens, you're dead. You die. You all die." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, actually, that's been the question I've been wanting to ask you. It's like in this 250 hour long campaign, how on earth did you keep the players on plot? Um, okay, so I'm I'm speaking as I basically coordinated the coordinated the entire thing and ran it behind the scenes. Um, I was sometimes playing, but I wasn't DMing because um, I I was there making sure like we had you know enough players for the equivalent of a thousand player hours um, and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of how we kept people on plot, some stuff was just um, the DMs using their tricks and such like where genuinely you know your god suddenly you can hear your god in your head who just goes do you really think that's a good idea <laughs> um and just like kind of pushing pushing hard on that um other times um the way that we structured it was there were always like there'd be four players on stage 
two of them were people who we knew who were also doing things at the fringe but but knew what D was and then two of them could were people who'd bought tickets who sometimes were people who've like played since first edition sometimes there were people who had never played it before and everything in between um and one of the things the one of the reasons we had the two regular players as we called them um which was made up of like a, a group of various people they didn't know like what they needed to do or they hadn't been given cheat codes or anything but part of their job was just like to help out any new players and also make sure that like whilst we had loads of fun and people had freedom to do stuff things didn't go just wildly wildly off the rails as they might have done if we'd put a dm with four people who didn't know each other and potentially didn't know the game um, oh, i wonder what that's like <laughs> being there done that <laughs> oh yeah Dude, what are you talking about matt <laughs> We have um, our, our first ever, our first um, session. We basically had Bar, Pete, and Pete knew Mark, uh, but there was uh, Mark's friend, Dave. Um, there was uh, one of our other mates and uh, my brother and um, a girl called Danny, our neighbor. And nobody knew each other. So we basically had people with all these backstories that went on about how they didn't trust each other and how they were sort of loners and things like this. So the when we got to the first dungeon they all just ran off like scattered <laughs> cats into the into the ether and, and and started setting off traps and things without looking for them and i was just like what the hell's going on and they're just sort of kind of going everywhere and kind of going i'm not listening to you because i'm my own person and i don't trust people and therefore i'm going to do this and i was like oh my god this is going to be the shortest game of D ever we survived <laughs> you got i think you got downed by a massive spider in the first, I got though, sat right? on by a giant spider. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big, mean, scary warforged getting squished by a spider's butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, Still not as good as the, as the paladin striding off along, along a corridor and setting off like five traps yeah. while we're being told by someone, "Oh, there's definitely two traps down that corridor. Three, four, <laughs> five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, how, how do you? Uh, you you talked about reacting to your players. You you talked yeah. about reacting to them. Um, one thing that I found uh, when I was doing it, I would write reams and reams and reams and reams and reams of, of storyline, and they'd never do any of it, or they do something, they get a critical fail, and and I couldn't give it to them, so it was all wasted. So I find that I was starting to just react to things they were doing. I'd have general plot themes and then I would just react and see what happened. Is that the best way to do it? Is that the best way to GM? Oh God. I, I say like my initial instinct is it's the best way to GM if that results in the most fun for you and your players, which might sound like a, a cop-out answer. Um, but because I've, I've GM'd in a fair few different contexts. So like for just home games where I think I'm now much more of the opinions, partially because I'm running systems like Quest, which are a lot lighter mechanically. And so you don't have to keep as much kind of mechanics info in your head. Um, it's much easier to be like, oh, yeah, sure, you're fighting X, Y and Z things that you've suggested you might be fighting because it's incredibly easy for me to just say immediately what they can do. Um, with a system like that and in home games, I try to kind of just have like little beats or ideas of, oh, don't forget 
there's a, a, an interesting opportunity to be, to be had with this person's backstory, etc. And then just see what people do. Like I've done very indulgent things in home games where just because we've enjoyed it, like suddenly because someone said they wanted to buy a map from the map store. Okay, we're spending 45 minutes in the map store with the map man and here's all the made up map lore because he found the prime map, which is the map of all maps. And if you want a map of anything in the world, including like where are all the members of the secret society right now, then he has the map if you've got the money. Um, in home games, I will totally do that and respond to players in that kind of a way. If I'm doing something that is for a stream or for a live audience, normally I've thought a bit more about like the three pillars because I kind of want each show if possible to have at least some social, some exploration, some combat. If there's, you know, it might still be very weighted towards one or the other, but it's nice to have a bit of them in. Um, and because, and this is this is all my own fault, um, for like live shows and stream shows, I've either gone very heavily action um, because I was doing um, a stream set in Eberron and I was like, okay, they're, they're gonna be on an airship and they have to get on a train and it's gonna be like that kind of thing. And there's like vibes of speed and Mission Impossible and fighting in skyscrapers and stuff. <laughs> Um, and like very heavy on that tone where it was quite, I was responding to a lot of like individual small suggestions from players, but because the situation they were in was very timed as characters, because you've got to get on this airship and then from this airship, you've got to do this. It was, it became much more about how did they do the thing rather than whether they did do it. Um, and then with the other stream that I still currently run, there's been so much of like mystery and slow burn that I I do keep notes of just being like, don't forget about this NPC or this is normally I try to go like, what's a potential story beat for each character that I know that if I want to, I can drop in because it's a message from a family member or a visitation from a God, or it's them just remembering they've got X, Y, Z in their pocket, which is a meaningful item. Um, so the way that I kind of like plan and respond to players kind of changes depending on the context that I'm DMing for. Um, though I definitely, I definitely started out, say the, the stream that I currently run under gods, I started that out with a lot more intense planning. Um, and definitely the ones that I've planned the least have been probably my most fun to run because it felt like there was more room to respond to people. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so it's, it's all it's all very much about the specific context for me i um i really enjoy it it's something that i i took from again uh or my 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 dm i say my dm the guy ben fee who sort of uh he's run games for us and stuff um he did this thing where if people couldn't make um show or just couldn't make a, a, a sunday when we used to do it um or if we we were doing things apart from each other just to make sure everybody was involved, he'd do text he'd do text uh, adventures with you. So he'd set he'd send you messages over uh, on your phone and stuff. And I took that on board. So with these guys, um, we do text adventures as well. So basically, it started off as um, you would 
you know, if you were doing something like if, if it was downtime and you wanted to go to the shop or you wanted to do something in town, you know, something that wasn't interesting for a stream, we'd just go, right, well, we'll do it in the text adventure. We have a role-playing uh, chat. We'll just do it there. But that sort of started getting into, you know, um, like things were, um, you know, stuff, really significant things were happening. And it, we, we had some pretty emotional, emotional points within the tax adventures themselves, simply because you had more time to think about it. Like I personally had more time to think about it. I didn't have the act on the cuff. I could sit there and I could really put all my in, into it and not have to sort of worry about make boring people because they were just waiting for me to sort of kind of reply and i kind of preferred that in a way because you could really really go deep with it and uh like we had a we had a text text battle we had a a full battle on a bridge through text message uh which was really which was really good worked really well because you know we the the battle we didn't do the the fight and it was literally there was two sides fighting each other and it was what the 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 PCs were doing to manipulate the battle and help with it and stuff. So if they made fails, then the, the, the their side got pushed back. If they won things, then they got pushed forward and, and you know stuff like that. And it, it worked really well because you can sort of fully engage it. And I think people can get behind RP role playing a bit more when it's text message because they don't feel you know maybe you feel a bit stupid doing it on a stream or doing it in real life but if you're behind a phone you can really get into it and my my neighbor danny she because she's really into the text message stuff (laughs) he really gets into it and stuff and uh if you don't do text message stuff i think you know you should give it a go because it really helps i think especially sort of tie things together yeah that's that sounds like such it sounds like such a cool way to go about those things. And I totally get what you mean about having more time and for some people it feeling less self-conscious. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine runs a free form uh, TTRPG and I'm, I'm slowly getting my head around getting in to play that because I know that just all my time will go into just being a fisherwoman in a coastal town (laughs) just just using using the game just to be calm um but but the the descriptions that i've had of like gaming by text and stuff like that isn't something that i've done much but i'm so keen to do more of but because it sounds just like a really lovely way of getting into things in a different way yeah you can like you can do roles and stuff all you need like what i do is um i just put like if i'm on my phone sometimes you know it's a bit more footery but you can do screenshots or if i'm on my computer then i've got where whatsapp on web or we might use discord going forward but uh you just do screenshots of the roles you do the roles for them uh unless they're on on rule 20 themselves and uh you just do it that way and it, it works really well and like people i think they get really sort of kind of engaged in it uh because it is more storyline based yeah. than it is and they sort of uh i i actually enjoy it more because i don't feel because i feel sometimes when i'm doing the streams i'll have a i'll have a basic storyline but because they tend to not do what I want them to do, um, I have to make up things on the fly and I'm not very, I'm not overly quick-witted. So I have to sort of really think about it. So text messages has worked for me quite well. So I can just sit there and think about it, go, well, this might happen or this might happen. This is pretty yeah. evil. I could do this. And then, you know, it's a lot sort of, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a complete, I'm not a vindictive DM. I, I, I'm very much trying to keep my guys alive, you know, to a point. But if they do stupid stuff, then there's not much you can really do. You just got to let them go. <laughs> yeah. If they do. Sh- What's the most stupid thing anybody has done in one of your games? 
Um, I'm sure there's there might be something more stupid, but this is the thing that always comes to mind because he acted it out and it made me so happy. Um, right when I was like just starting to play, I was running uh, Fandelva, the, the starter kit, um, and we only got like three sessions in because we all had different schedules and just couldn't make it work. But in the second session, I think they were raiding some kind of, it's like a, a, a ruined castle or something where a load of goblins live, I think. Um, if, if I'm starting to get lore wrong, then let me know. Um, for some reason, I think just because of what I was doing, we established that all goblins in this world, or the ones that they were meeting, had Australian accents. <laughs> um, and they needed to like get around them um, or scare them off or do something. And so this character, the character, stole this kind of bloodied um, like cloth or sheet from off of an altar because they had like altars to Magluviet, um, their deity, and got everyone else to hide in the shadows of this room um, and do stealth checks. And then kind of made loads of noise to to draw the attention of these goblins um and the plan was everyone was going to cast spells as covertly as they could and he was going to pose as their god and the player like walked out of the actual room came back covered like draped like a ghost sheet and just started shouting in an australian accent i am maglobiate um (laughs) it was like, thing is, in a way, it wasn't silly because it worked because all the roles went their way. Um, and I was also like, this is too glorious for me to not let you win this one because I'm loving this so much. Um, there's probably been, like, sillier things that people have done that haven't worked, but just, like, the out-and-out um, audacity and surprise of him doing that was just wonderful. Peter and Mark, what is the most idiotic thing you guys have done? <laughs> Just one. As as a as a group, what do you think? In I have I have sort of kind of ideas, but what do you, what do you think is your sort of your 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 most literally? Oh my god, what do we just do? Moments. Just one. Um, <laughs> I think. Well, personally, for me, I think the most stupidest thing I did was was the last time when. My character Draken decided the best way to stop a, a, a fire spreading was by knocking down a building <laughs> with him inside it. But the thing is, yeah, it, <laughs> that was, but it it worked. The thing is, I said he said to me, "I'm gonna, um, you know, the way like fire breaks and in, in fire breaks in like in forests." I was like, "Yeah." He says, "So I'm gonna cut down this. I'm gonna cut down this uh, house." I was like, "Okay." So he says, "I'm gonna charge in," and I said, "So you're gonna cut down the house with you in it?" And he went. <laughs> Yes, and I was just like, and he rolled his attack, and I went, okay, <laughs> but he, he did it, so he managed to chop it down, and then get the deck save high enough so he could get back out without the house falling on top of him, and I was just like, wow, that's 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 amazing, man, because I would have insta-killed him had he had he, he failed that, because <laughs> so I was like, there was no other option, I, I, there's no way, if a house falls on top of you, there, there's no getting out of that, that's it, so he made it, so. <laughs> In my defence, I think it was, I was playing uh, Dragon Bob Barbarian, which was very strong and quite fast, and also fire breathing, so therefore resistant to fire damage, I thought, it's a chance, it's a risk. 
but it looks cool. I I thought you fight. I thought you fighting a shark was uh was was quite <laughs> quite silly to be honest. It, we had some sharks, and he he decided to charge in and have at them one on one. It's like that's so silly. Amazing. <laughs> Again, my, my argument was distraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mark, what, what what about you? I think for humor value, possibly going back to the first the, the first meeting in the bar with the bar fight when I tried to leap I, I had some really good rolls so I wanted to knock someone out so I smacked him on the top of the head and just knocked him out And while well, he was paying attention to the rest of the fight and everyone's getting bogged down I was like okay I'm going to do this I'm going to do this and I ran over and I jumped across the bar and, got, and I stacked it and I got up there and I took someone out and we just got to the end and I tried to intimidate someone and rolled a one <laughs> and the guy just laughed at him <laughs> absolutely yes this is working this is working I'm going to be intimidating him. A six foot, six foot tall warforged, and I'm stood above him on the bar, and I'm face first on the floor, aren't I? That was really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> we we had one where basically um, we're, we're retconning because we've got we've got a new player coming in, so we're having to move things around. Um, but uh, we had a point where they they spent easily a day's worth of text messages with each other describing how they were going to uh had this battle plan so we we had like a text adventure thing where basically they were talking in one of the towns how they were going to um there was an infiltration within some of the the local towns and they needed to deal with it um in a unit sort of in a a combined way so they could stop them from going underground uh and they're like um like lance turns around so that's mark's character turns around says we need information we need intel we should infiltrate these towns and get intel and stuff and i was like great idea you should do that so they take themselves off to this town um and and <laughs> they take themselves off the town and just walk up the center of it just just walk in no no disguise no stealth no nothing they just walk into the center of town the paladin walks into the uh looks into the blacksmith and says i am the hero of such and such give me free stuff and then the, the rest of them are just wandering around and i'm just like so pretty much everybody knows who you are now and what you're doing. <laughs> it's just like... fair, I was trying to sit on the paladin at the time and I just kept on rolling horrendously bad rolls. <laughs> so I was like, this is really a bad... Oh, okay, that's, that's just... <laughs> yeah, I'll just give up now. I'll just sit in the corner and nudge. Like. Uh, and and <laughs> the, the worst moment I've had as a DM uh, was in the one shot because I, I was... there. I, w- I didn't want to kill them because it, it would have made a bad story and stuff. I wanted to make sure that they survived. So I was giving them benefit of the doubt for a lot of things. But when Pete's, when Pete's character, um, when Pete's character basically uh, cast fireball at the wrong time, I basically was describing this thing and he cast fireball at it without even with no literally just press the button and i went did you did you did you just do that and he went yes and i was just like but oh my god i had this moment in my head where i was like i i actually have to kill them now because i i i've got no way around this i have to i there's literally there's no way for me to get around this and i had to really think fast and it was literally a case of i said right you two have got um a chance to knock him out of the way um before that fireball hits um if you, it, three. yeah if you feel <laughs> if you feel it's game over uh if you don't then yeah you saying luckily uh i think it was um i'm not sure if it was ben's character or it was 
Dan, was Danny. It was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, yes, because Danny Dan, Yeah, that was Daniel. He managed to sort of tackle him, which only set fire to the building. But it was still, you know, it was just like... Because at that time, I was just like, come on, man. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. If you, if, you, yeah. if you die now, then that's it. Game over. I can't do anything yeah. about it. In my defense, it was partly a misunderstanding of what we were facing. Combined with one of right, the next time we see that, tell me, and I will cast fireball. This is all right, and the next time I cast fireball. You, you, you were the typification of the the old joke that when you give someone a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Well, whatever <laughs> we did, he wanted to fireball it. I swear, if someone had come up and said it's my birthday, he would have fireballed them. Did you? Was it you? Thunderclapped as well? Did you thunderclap? Yes. And you, we, oh yes, that's yes, how it we, started because you thunderclapped upstairs, and that made the ceiling click cave in. That's how you, that's how you saw it. So you thunderclapped, and they fell down, and then you saw, and then you threw fireball to compound the thunderclap, and then you all got kicked out of town for setting fire to the inn. <laughs> yeah, as you can tell, I don't like playing <laughs> conventional characters or those that play by the rules. <laughs> I don't know. I, why. This is just reminding me of like one of th- the most absurd image I've ever had whilst running a fight was a group of characters who got kind of beset by wolves, and for other reasons, they had a wheelbarrow um, full of pies, just like full to the brim of pies. Pies had become a theme in the game for no reason other than just what the players wanted to introduce, and one of them was playing, uh, I think, uh, a goblin, so quite tiny. And um, one of them was just getting very happy with something like Cone of Cold or some kind of ice area of effect thing. Um, when, well, one of the wolves is over there and Wolf, like, managed the deck save. Their friend in the wheelbarrow didn't, so just became frozen in a wheelbarrow of pies for the rest of the combat. <laughs> <laughs> just unable to really move or contribute, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh, amazing, amazing, uh, man! I um, I was sort of remember we we did Rogue Trader, which is basically Warhammer forty k um, RPG, and uh, one of the guys, my mates SKB, he was very much uh, he played his character to the line, literally whatever his character traits were, that's what he did. He he, he played his character, and uh, one of the characters he had was like this sort of brash mercenary, you know, all guns blazing type guy, and. We were in, we were in this drop ship, and he was just like, you know, we're we're going over this sort of like compound, and he's like, I'm gonna jump out and land on the wall, and the DM's like, but, you know, we're moving, the 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 the, the drop ship's moving, and he's like, ah, yeah, it's all right, I'll do it, and he jumped out, uh, and rolled a one. Uh, and died and it was just like well there you go yeah. man if you jump out of a moving ship you're gonna fucking splatter against the wall <laughs> was that, just... was, that was so nearly me in a campaign once because i was playing this character who um i think had had shot an arrow at some corrupt guards or something um tried to hide the guards had noticed me and my instinct was to go to oh i'm just gonna pretend that i was sliding on the roof and falling and accidentally like let my arrow loose so and then i um i think i got like a two on the deck save rather than a one so a one i was just gonna fall over and i was already pretty hurt and that fall was (laughs) gonna kill me so in that case my character would have killed because they'd pretended to fall off a roof too hard (laughs) um 
which wouldn't have been the best kind of like a little bit fitting for that character but i am very glad that she didn't die doing that oh man yeah it's just like like i haven't played like rpgs um i played obviously we played regular the rogue trader one we used to play regularly um with ben doing it um uh, dnd i didn't play and i hadn't played since i was a kid we did a call of cthulhu one a game of ben sort of are uh, uh, running it uh and that was really good actually i wasn't expecting to enjoy that one um but that was really good because it's really counterintuitive because you don't want high roles in call of cthulhu games you want yeah. to you basically don't want to understand anything as soon as you understand stuff you go mad so that that was that was actually a really good one but um having started dming uh it takes up your life it take it literally it becomes something that is a part of you for, like it, it literally i dream about it and I, I i've got a thing we've got a thing called world anvil now which is um i'm not sure uh, if you've ever seen it yeah world anvil yeah. yeah we've got a world anvil so i build maps uh i i've got sort of like we've got uh storylines in there we've got interactive maps and things that we're going to do i spend so much time looking into these things and doing this and it's just like every other waking moment of my life i'm thinking about right so what's going to happen next they're going to do this they might do that i have to do this and and it's just like and then obviously because the text messages are still going as well it's always going on man so it's just like it just i didn't realize how much it can absorb your life it just it's just there all the time yeah yeah absolutely i totally know that feeling like i've finding like some different systems to D D has definitely for me like oh freed up bits of my brain a little bit <laughs> like kind of trying to look for things that are that I'm, i know that i won't have built quite as much in advance or i don't get into that habit for some reason because i'm just like much more free and easy with it but that said like i'm currently making a series of in-world bingo calls for <laughs> Thursday because that's just like a thing that now needs to happen in that game and i've i've decided that i'm going to kind of relay world law fun and threats through a bingo game with the characters <laughs> um because it's just fun to build different things and like yeah i definitely I've, I've definitely been that dm in the past where you you just get too excited by the world building and you make something that is like way bigger than um, your players are ever going to actually manage to engage with or see and you write far too much stuff because you just get too excited about all of the things that your world can be yeah. and I've definitely had to like try and train myself down a bit from doing too much of that yeah I, I end up writing about 2,000 words on Dragonborn Society making up this huge <laughs> yeah. socialistic feminist tribal society with queens that that rely on non-verb that rely on verbal contracts rather than written agreements and why would they do as well if, if, it's, if it's a tribal society they've lost everything so no contracts okay everything's verbal agreements how do they ensure <laughs> verbal agreements like, well they've got wizards how's the wizards ensure magic and it's just like yeah we had a, we had a long yeah. me, and, me and pete had a long conversation about dragonborn history and how it would how it would, how it would sort of pan out and 
I'm sitting there, well, it's going to be kind of like the Native Americans in, uh, you know, Native Americans in America and stuff and how they were pushed out of their homes and some sort of, they had treaties that were sort of did this and they joined wars and then were lost and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, you know, you spent ages just sort of going into things that people are literally not going to bother reading. <laughs> but but to you, it matters. Yeah, I mean, like, I follow Jack and Bones, like, you know, their heritage was defined by um, their mother. So basically, like, no, no matter, no, if a red dragon, a red dragon born went with a golden dragon born uh, who was female, then their child would be golden. So therefore, I thought, well, okay, probably that that society would be matriarchal. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of like, okay, then then you got okay. Then what about the pure plus? What about two golden dragons? That would that we make them more pure? And they and they got okay. We've got elements of racism now. Like, That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and what? Well, we're no, nowhere near Dragon Ball Society at the moment, are we? Like, no. <laughs> well, that's the thing yeah. is, we're currently on an island in the middle of the map, yeah. and we're in day four, I think, of actual game. Uh, we know we're, we, we've, we've been playing for three months, but we're in on day four. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna start streaming again at some point soon. But it, it's literally a case of you know the world I've built is is like you said a bit big for the fact that i don't think they're going to get around to most of it so there's going to have to be some sub things going on with other groups at some point in time i think to sort of kind of fill it all out but um yeah it's very easy just to sort of jump into it uh too much yeah it's it's so easy something that i've started like doing a lot more partially because at the moment the games that i'm running are deliberately like maybe six sessions long, like kind of mini arcs, just to like dip my toe into different things um, and and try to like practice some habits that aren't about like slow burn mysteries, etc. Um, and what I do is I do session zeros with the players, and I'll have told them like what I'm thinking the tone of the world will be and like some rough ideas. But normally in session zero, I'll go, okay, how is your character connected to the world like enemies friends everything in between how what are they committed to like what are their values are there specific places they're protecting or specific groups that they're attached to that they want to defend and will uphold the values of how are your characters conflicted like where do your goals and other things come into tension with each other and now what i've done a lot more is base a lot of what the action of the campaign is going to be off the back of what they say. So if someone goes, oh, well, like I've got this arch enemy who's a necromancer or something or does a lot of experience with sentient um, objects, then I'll go, okay, so I've got that over there, but this person has this best friend who does this, but you've all made characters who have like hidden identities or secrets in the past, so we'll link that up because, you know, role players. Um, that that do that kind of thing and that's been really interesting trying to kind of let let go a little bit and let whatever law the players want to bring to the table shape things a lot more um and that's definitely a it's alleviated some of the work for me and b it means that obviously the engagement is so much more immediate because this npc is the one that they told me about last week or this group is the thing that they created so I found that to be kind of handy in practicing, not planning or overwriting too much. How do you deal with um, 
conflicting uh, alignments. So in the game that we are, because we're all pretty new, I made restrictions on uh, what alignments people could be because I've been in a game where there was an evil player uh, who didn't tell us that he was an evil player. And as much as the gotcha moment was quite amusing, it kind of derailed the entire sort of thing. Yeah. How, how do you deal with that? Um, there's like a few different things. A, there are some players where, because I know their skills and what they're really good at, I trust them. Like, for instance, there is a player I know who plays like lawful good to the hilt however and and sometimes that means their characters can kind of be assholes um but it's somehow it like it's a hard thing to like really nail down but they're very good at playing characters that are lawful good assholes but it never feels like they as a player are being mean to another player it never feels like they're trying to obstruct what another player is doing they follow a very careful was was he a paladin by any chance Oh yeah, of course. But but I and so for instance, like with that player, I'm like, I I know you're really good at this, so I'm not gonna worry about kind of what alignment you're playing or that you're gonna like do lawful good too much. Because even even good alignments and chaotic alignments can be issues. It's not just like evil ones. Um, I I don't think I've run a game where someone has had an evil alignment, and if I knew someone who wanted to do that. I'd be like, let's mess around with some one shots and stuff. Um, I definitely, I'm, I, something like that being kept from other players. I don't know if I, I would probably go a bit more open on that, but that's just how I run stuff. Like I am totally fine with there being reveals about a character. Um, but a lot of the players that I play with are quite good at not. Oh, frozen up. Matt. Frozen up. Matt. Other than that, like, normally just like, I will always kind of, if someone wants to play something kind of dark, I'll be like, okay, I still need to know what your character cares about. Because then I kind of know what will drive them. I also know how to like work with them in world. Um, and it can't be just like total like nihilism. Um, yeah. Because I've, encar- I've encountered as a player characters who are just like so nihilistic that you end up not knowing how to engage with them as a player or as a DM. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. for me, kind of knowing about their, their connections and I will normally push for like, okay, but, you you i'd like for you to already know this character a little bit can we kind of flesh out at least something there so that we have some things to build on because even if you want to play someone with some some like morally gray and stuff is absolutely fine but at the core people have to understand that they are playing together and something that's like a improv principle that i really like in terms of tabletop games is um, make the other people look good, which in improv is all about like, don't just take up all the space, but you know, like show off what the other people can do with you. And if you do that, you'll look good. And for me, tabletop games, like the way you are telling a story together, it's a similar thing of like, find opportunities to shine a light on the amazing stuff someone else is doing. 
Um, and you can do that no matter what your alignment is. And so for me, provided that the player has the right attitude and outlook, um, and yeah, I, I, I'm normally kind of a little bit more open because for instance, I play with some people who do not like um, experiencing betrayal in a party or experiencing PVP in a party um, because for them, what they want from a game is a very different experience. And also like it's, it's for them, for whatever reason, it's not a pleasant experience to put their trust even as a character in another character and then be told, oh no, you shouldn't have done that. There's a lot um, of, there's a lot of sort of uh, drip through into real life and stuff like that's one of the, like yeah. we, we had a moment uh, when we first started where there was a lot of arguments because, um, you know, things happened that they weren't expecting from other characters and the actual real life people started getting annoyed with each other because they were like, well, why would you do that? And then they're going, well, it's the character. Yeah. And then there's a lot of arguments and that you have to sort of, I think at the start, you've got to sort of, I had to set out some rules at the st- I had to basically go, right, these are the rules and this is how it works. And you, you basically have to adhere to this. Like uh, my rules are, um, story enjoyment and party cohesion. So basically all of those things have to work together. If they don't, then, um, you, the party's going to fall apart. Um, and it doesn't matter that if you're, if you're, if your character's an asshole, uh, if, if it's, if you're being an asshole to everybody else, then you're, you're feeding the party and it shouldn't, it's a team game. You've got to do yeah. it. Yeah. I've, I've played in a game where someone else was, I, I assume their alignment was evil, judging by the things they were doing. Um, and because it's someone that I've known for a long time, someone that I trust, their, their evilness wasn't manifesting as screwing over everyone's plans because they had the same ultimate goal. It was just, you know, they might not help as much as you wanted them to unless you were like, okay, you can have 70% of my gold when we get out of here. You can have 75% of it when we get out of here. Um, And there was even a point where, like, my character was on death saves and his character was leaning over me trying to, I think, put rolling performance or deception checks to make it look like he was trying to heal me, but secretly he was just trying to stop anyone else from getting close to help me, which probably sounds horrible. Because I trusted him, because, like, of the way that he'd done this, and because, like, we knew each other well as players and such, like, I I was saying, like, it'll be a shame if she dies, but I completely respect this and I find this a hilarious move to pull in combat. Um, but it's 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 so dependent on what people are comfortable with. Oh, that's um, yeah. Um so uh what what are you running at the minute? What 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 what's going on at the minute? Um I'm running a small campaign of quest, which is my first time running quest, and I kind of got into it because it's very mechanics light. I don't know how familiar any of you are with it. Oh, sorry, no, it's a new one on me. So basically, it's it's very kind of stripped back. You're rolling a d20, but you don't have any character stats. It's always a flat 20 roll. Um, and you have, like, you start with six abilities, and as you go on, you get more abilities. They kind of have talent trees for different roles, like doctor, spy, invoker, etc. Um, and it's it's very story footed so like when you see the the stat block for a creature 
you'll see the average damage they do, the number of hit points they have, any spells or special abilities like invisibility, for instance. And then there's just like a couple of paragraphs of sample descriptions of what they're like and things like that. Um, and it's been so far, it's been really fun because there's a basically the, the 20 is really good. Everything goes well. One is bad. Things don't go well. But there's like if you roll between a six and a 10, the DM or, or guide gives you a tough choice, which is an option between two ways of succeeding, but with drawbacks. And that's been really interesting. And also because it's so stripped back when someone's gone like just invented law in the game and gone like, oh, yeah, well, we're in a chase scene. And so we're probably competing against uh, this group of pirates, these ninjas, these princesses, these mermaids and these cowboys. I've just been able to go, cool, got it, know exactly what's happening. Um, and it's it's very like, it's very freewheeling. It's been really fun to see what players come up with character-wise because there's no set species, races or anything like that. So people have gone, I would like to be a person made entirely of glitter. Um, and I would like to be someone who just has three big eyes for a face. Um, so that's that's been really fun. Um, I'm, I'm running D&D at the moment for the Undergods stream, but that's got about two, three episodes left. Um, and that's that's been really fun. And there's basically, that's also involved a lot of homebrewing because each player character in that is the descendant of a god and so has like their own special unique ability and their own relationship with their god. And that's been um, a really fun kind of element of the world to to play with and then there's just all the games that i'm like reading that i haven't found like the space or time to run like there's this beautiful one pager called font that it's just like a beautiful one shot that's really super meaningful um about journeys and change and sacrifice and stuff like that um and then so, like loads of other games like dialect uh, i've bought uh, once upon a time recently because like every single game designer i know has been like mentioning it in chats about card games and so i'm keen to play that as soon as i can uh, i've got one night ultimate werewolf and i'm really interested in like the the slightly different werewolf mechanics um so that's that's the kind of stuff that i'm looking at at the moment Yes, I'm. Uh, my apologies. We're getting so we're getting trolled on our on our Twitch channel. Some people were trying to be funny bastards. Hence why I have had to move the chat out of the way because we were getting some some annoying things. Some people obviously don't have uh, anything better to do with themselves on a Sunday night than to be assholes on on, tw on Twitch. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, if you're uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, you, ask um, you were saying about the mechanics in Quest being quite freeform freeform mm -hmm. and giving you options have you ever looked at um fancy flight do a star wars system genesis uh, edge of the empire yeah with edge of the empire and so and uh, it's, it's three games based on it but the it's in common with fancy flight it's lots it's it's kind of got lots of custom dice so i don't know if you've ever seen um x-wing which is their tabletop game I think has... I've seen it like from a distance at conventions. Yeah, yeah. I, I use it as a reference. So I play it. I've played it quite a lot. It's a little bit of a, a little bit of one of my obsessions. But they did. Um, I never got a chance to run it. I always wanted to, and they have several sets of custom dice. And their idea is you never do an opposed roll against 
the um, against the DM, what you do is you roll the dice that oppose each other and you cancel stuff out. But you have, as well as successes and failures, you have um, positives or negatives. So you can fail, you can fail, but have a positive outcome from it and then kind of like throws it onto the GM and the player between them to make that work. And I just didn't know if that was something you ever come across and how that would frame. Cause it's a lot, it's not as free form as Quest, but yeah. it's got some of that concept. It's got some of the interesting concepts of consequences yeah. as well as success, which I always Gra- thought was weird. It's got gradations of success, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds really cool. It's not one I'm familiar with. And like the re weirdly paradoxically almost the reason why i really like it is in quest is because it's one of the things i struggle with the most as a gm um Mm. is is that whole thing of like you know success but a complication Mm. and stuff because sometimes you're like okay someone's rolled a success but a complication for climbing up a wall or someone's rolled a failure but a success for Mm. jumping onto a boat and and you feel like that pressure to come up with something clever um yeah and so any any system that's getting me to like practice that muscle a bit more i'm quite into because they mix it up with what they call their destiny pool as well so you have um how is it you have flippable tokens and if it's a white token then the player can use it but they flip the token it's then available for the gm to use later on against them that's and so right. i sort of cool idea is that you have lots of guidance in there about where it's going you can't just try and spin it on your head but mm. you also have options with consequences that you know that if you have a really cool start to the game, it could come back and bite you horribly. <laughs> That's cool. That reminds me a little bit of, um, have you played Star Trek Adventures? I've got it to play. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I've I've kind of consumed most of the books yeah. because I, I had a few of them already and I picked up a lot of them on the... Um, the rest on the humble bundle that they did recently. Oh yeah, oh, right. So I've got I've got all the PDFs sitting there, and I keep sort of going to it. Yeah. I just need to find some victims. That that was <laughs> a nice kind of that just reminded me of momentum versus threat in Star Trek Adventures, where it's kind of nice because you just have these little tokens, and you're going like, yeah, it's fine. We've got we've got enough momentum. Let's like spend some, and let's make sure we do really well. And every time you're doing well, you just see like that threat stacking up, and the stakes getting higher. Yeah, there seems to be this um, move within the like uh, role-playing industry for kind of gradations of success. Like the alien role-playing game has got like the stress mechanics, where you get a little bit of stress and that adds to your role. But then it also introduces the, uh, poss- the potential for critical failures, where mm-hmm. things get really fun. And like I said just picked the, uh, the Coriolis um, Third Horizon role-playing game, and that seems to have like these kind of a you pass but not too good so it's like the yeah. pass badly or you'll you'll fail well so yeah it's, it seems kind of almost introducing more role-playing elements where the kind of players in the gym have to describe well yeah he didn't do it but this happens it kind of that described more about it and that kind of again just engages that role-playing element. sir tell you what man um we there were some abs we we had a, I just had a quick look yeah. There was a load of trolls, and I just I've just banned three people, um, which I've never had to do before. Oh, but, I've I've not got it open, so sorry. Yeah. I was unaware, but um, sorry. Uh, it's just yeah. I, I, I'm 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 just people. You're watching this, and I'm warning you now. If you're not respectful, you'll get banned. It's as simple as that. I won't have that sort of. Of course, yeah. yeah it's just uncalled for. Um, okay. Uh, right. Uh, 
Yes, and we're back. Mark, what were you saying? I think because we cut out before you sort of you, you sort of carried on. Um, oh, God, now I've got to try and rewind in my head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think it's the thing that we the thing that makes in-person or tabletop role-playing where it's people, all people versus people much more interesting is everything can be quite fuzzy because you can go off the rails. Whereas, obviously, while playing a computer game can be very polished and enjoyable... It has to have very much divine past and outcomes because mm-hmm. computers, no matter how cool they look and how shiny and impressive they can be under the right circumstances, they can't deal with random stuff going out of control as well as a human can do. And, you know, it's just that random, that concept of, you know, you do something stupid in a computer game up to a certain point, it's just going to kill you. Whereas in, whereas in a game, for example, you can call for someone to you say, are you sure you want to do that? Or... Um, can some? Does anyone want to? I don't know. Push them out of the way before they can shoot something. <laughs> and it, it becomes. It, it's more cooperative experience, which is what's much more enjoyable. And whether you want to go for heavy on rules or light on rules, you always have the ability for someone to step in and derail it before it goes to hell. <laughs> yep. I feel like I've been targeted. <laughs> why would oh, that God. why would that be peaked why would that be <laughs> uh, i think somebody uh, somebody thinks we're playing among us that's why we're getting lots of random pe- kids basically being oh, idiots because the last stream was among us though, yeah, yeah so they're just sort of like, like cases doesn't it well yeah because well, when i first looked at twitch it uh, it thought we were broadcasting among us yeah yeah so we're just doing... once i jumped in yeah so yeah that's that's so annoying i don't i just just this is completely completely random but the things that really annoy me is, is one trolling in general is just you know it pisses yeah. me off but yeah. two uh when we play we do play among us um hacking and cheaters it just doesn't make sense because it's not even ranked or anything so it it just seems like it just seems pointless it just it's very <coughs> odd that you know people will do it it just just i just don't get i don't get it i don't get it at some all some people just like pissing other people off pardon the french <laughs> yeah well yeah that that's probably true yeah it's just yeah frustrating yeah. Just to say to say the, the, the least um Okay, uh, uh, that's made me lose my train of thought now. Uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, well, actually, I will say like you know, that's one thing about role playing games is that there is no never a winner. No one wins at a role playing game. It's you win when you collaborate, and hmm. the, it's not just one person. Either the group wins, or you all fail. Yeah. And it's not like the GM is there to win or beat you because yeah. The, oh, GM's role, the GM's role is for you all to have fun. Um, I was running a game of MechWarrior a few years ago, and the the best time I had was when all the players were sat around planning this heist. And I was just sat back, listening to them going, I was kind of planning it all out, and I was answering the odd question, like just in the background, like, well, if we do this, can we do that? And, like, and I, thought, I was having the time of my life because they were having fun. <laughs> well that that's it for me that that's the thing it's like um i i do like adversarial sort of games and so you get like if you've ever played a board game called descent um it's like a, a dungeon crawler uh rpg but it's adversarial in that the the overlord so that basically the dm if he wins he gets 
uh, he gets loot and he gets experience and he gets cards and things like that. So, you know, as as the, the games master in that one, it's in your interest to try and throw out what you can within the rules that you've got uh, so you can and you can win. So I, I enjoy stuff like that. It's the same in, um, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, Imperial Assault, which is basically the Star Wars version of it. It's sort of, you, you know, the, the person who's in charge of the Imperial guys gets bonuses for winning missions and things like that. Um, but with D&D, um, mm. I, 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 one, I don't want people dying because I, I want there to be a good storyline. One, it's just good for me in general. And two, you know, it's better watching if you're streaming it and things like that. You don't want people just dying all the time. Uh, and two, it's just sort of, you know, you kind of grow fond of your, the people you have and you don't really want them to sort of... That's why That's why I become slightly... Um, I can't even think of the word. Um, I, 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 I despondent whenever they do something stupid, really stupid. And I'm like, but you don't want to do that and part of me is trying not to throw in hint too many hints and then sometimes yeah. i just have to because i'm like right they, they, they have to do this right because i don't i don't want to steamroll anybody they can do whatever they want in my uh-huh. game so um i'll sort of push things I'll, I'll, I'll put out clues to things but if they don't take them then that's sort of completely up to them um because I don't want to steamroll them. I want that the base literally they can do whatever the hell they want. But then you do get times where they do something completely stupid and you're just like, oh my God, you're missing out on all of the information that you need. <laughs> I mean, also, I think the hard thing is that sometimes people playing, not necessarily just D&D, I've played other role-playing games where the person who's running it doesn't want to flex with the players they want to keep pushing you back onto something because they've they've got an idea in their head about how things should run and Mm. that becomes that becomes a losing game because it pushes everyone against the dm it doesn't become a it doesn't become a, a fun thing anymore it becomes adversarial that you want to do things and they either say no or the worst thing i ever did was a situation where i got some really great dice rolls and my character did really well at something and it turned out in their head it was supposed to go a different way and we walked in sat down and they retconned what had happened the week before and like just i think me and two others just got up and walked out and the whole get the whole group fell apart because they just literally just sat and stewed and said well that's not the way i wanted it to go so i sat down so last time this happened and just got up walked out didn't argue at all because they'd written this story and they wanted us to kind of just play our parts in their head. And of course yeah. it doesn't work that way because yeah. if yeah, you're, if you're role-playing, everyone gets a vote yep. and yeah. the dice get a vote as well. Yeah, yeah. And the dice get a vote as well. That's part of the thing. So someone can do something really stupid, but it works and that changes the tone of the whole thing and takes you off in a different direction. And if you don't, if you can't roll with that, you probably shouldn't be DM, you should really shouldn't be DMing. And it will probably it's it's the it's the only way I can think of to lose in role playing really is because it it breaks the contract between everyone that's there to have fun. I I um have you ever seen a YouTube channel called uh, Everything D and D where they do stories for like you know uh, the time I kill the time I got one over on the DM or the time that my character got such and such or did something like that it's called all thing d uh, all thing dnd i think it's on it's on youtube and it's basically a guy people send in stories um about their experiences and this guy narrates them and um 
I watch them and sometimes I, I, I read them or read them, I watch them and I'm like, this guy who's telling the story who and he's, it's meant to be like he's the guy who's the downtrodden or he's the guy who's something wrong has happened and I'm just like but you're being an asshole you're the one who's causing the issues and stuff so we had one where a guy was evil and he basically was annoyed because the DM turned around to everybody in the group and said he's evil you know basically to give them a heads up so he he basically started um doing stuff to um you know, uh, cause problems for for as a thing, but they made it out because he was outed as evil. That that was a big issue and stuff. And there's other ones where, like, you know, you know, y- y- they're talking about steamrolling and how you've got a DM who's got certain things and he's trying to sort of move them in one direction, and then you've got that character who just doesn't want to adhere to that and wants to do everything he wants. And it's just like, yeah, but you sound kind of unreasonable. You don't sound like you're wanting to sort of. You know, you kind of want to do what you want to do. You can't. You're not doing what maybe the group wants to do, or what sort of you know. The, it's in the theme of the whole thing, and I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's like, there's some good stories on it, but you do get the odd one where you're just like, yeah, you're just being an asshole. You're just being an asshole. Yeah, my feeling is just like, granted, like a lot of DMs do, and and GMs and other systems do a lot of work, and you know, put in a lot of effort to, to make things fun for people. But if you're a GM, it's it's not your story. It's everyone's story. Then yeah. it's the dice to randomize it. Um additionally you're not like the protagonist of this gaming group, just as none of the players are like their character is not the protagonist of this thing. It's all about it being cooperative. Um and yeah, it just it just on, on the one hand, it baffles me. On the other hand, I can see where, like, if if people start playing D, uh, like D&D or start playing tabletop games with certain people, then they will just think, oh, this is, <clears throat> this is the normal dynamic. This is just how these games work, um, which is such a great shame because it just means that kind of, like, spreads a little bit and it's active work to make sure it doesn't happen as much as it can do. How did you introduce new players to your 250-hour epic? I mean, how would you describe, like, you know, a completely new player? Right, you're in this 250-hour epic. Go ahead, have fun! Um, so it started with the fact that I condensed the player's handbook down into about eight pages. Okay. That's um, about 300 pages down to eight. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I say condensed, obviously <laughs> some things did not make it in, but but it was very, and also I was um, doing it in uh, easy read, which is a, a type of writing that's meant to be kind of basically easier for people, say with learning disabilities to read. And it's actually like really good practice because it just means you get to the point and you're clear and you're not using jargon. And to be honest, the main thing was going like, you will have a character sheet it will tell you what your character is good at and what they're bad at. And you'll be rolling a dice and taking the numbers from that sheet and adding them to the dice. You'll, you'll have people who are with you who will be able to tell you which dice it is and that kind of thing. Um, and then it was just largely most of the time someone is going to describe a world to you and then you can say what you'd like to do and then you can roll to see if you do it and then they'll describe what happens and you'll keep kind of going in that way. 
and then sometimes there'll be sections that are much more ordered because you're in a fight or something and in that case you can do like a small thing do a big thing and you can move and that's what you can do um we we like very specifically new players could be rogues or they could be barbarians they were not spellcasters of any kind they didn't have like spellcasting subclasses or anything because it was like that's just a blanket rule <laughs> new players do not get spells um but m- mostly it was like i think about like say it was maybe 50 50 just giving like a very stripped back this is kind of what happens and also like an explanation of this is what the things on your character sheet mean um and half of it was just being very like calm friendly setting them setting them next to someone and going like this is this person they're gonna help you out do you want anything to drink and just making them feel like calm and relaxed and like in good hands um it was it like it was a challenge at times to kind of communicate to people what it really was. It, it's it's one of those things where it's so much easier if you can show someone. If you can just show someone like an hour of a game, obviously they're not going to then understand what all tabletop games are, but it's way easier than trying to actually like describe the experience of playing one to someone. Um, but that was, that was largely how we kind of approached it. Yeah, I mean, also what I found interesting was that, no, this was something that was presented to an audience. Now, when yeah. people think of theatre, they think of, like, the you know, uh, props and actors. But this was um, four or five people on a table, on a stage, just narrating what was happening. And found that, that was quite, like, what was the reaction, like, the, to that? Um, it, it, it kind of depended like hour to hour because for one thing like we did a lot of narration but also it was a lot of people who were very happy even I mean still sat down but you know vocal like improvising dialogue and such like with each other um I made a very conscious decision to be that person and I played a bard and I took a ukulele with me and I improvised <laughs> when we needed like a song of rest or something I was improvising things because I was like this will kind of as a bard, how many people did you... theatrical things you can do. Um, and some people, like, there were people who would come for an hour and then because, like, it had left on a cliffhanger or something, they'd buy a ticket for the next hour and, and they'd just, like, kind of keep coming back because they wanted to know what happened. Um, and, I mean, like, obviously, some people, it wasn't, like, their thing or, like, because also it's at the fringe. You get a lot of people who just kind of walk in because they're trying a thing out and then it's not what they're expecting or not their bag but actually in terms of it being like entertainment for people to watch people really got into it because i don't know there's i could talk for like two hours on various things like i know very fancy um performance art type groups where if it was them sat behind a table like describing a story it would have won awards because of <laughs> they're known for because the stuff i've seen them do before because of reputations and stuff um and 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 the difficulty of telling theater people that this game can actually be like theater um was that was like probably one of the trickiest things about doing it in that context also because we were in our first year we were one of maybe like four or five tabletop game based shows at the fringe but we were the we'd made a conscious decision. We were the only ones listed under theatre. Every single other one was listed under comedy, um, and would either be like 
a very quick fire adventure done in an hour or it was an adventure played out by uh, comedians and whilst they were playing a game it was it was a vehicle for comedy and kind of comedy was the front-footed thing whereas we had the comedy that like emerges out of D&D but equally really like intense drama and emotional stuff happening um and so that was also like an interesting thing to try and kind of explain um but yeah normally once we could show people what it was then it just made sense to them (laughs) okay cool 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 right um i think we're gonna leave it there uh been an hour and a half it's been very interesting it's it's not very often that we get to to geek out about gaming uh tabletop gaming and rpgs so yeah that's that's been very good um so thank you very much chloe um have you got any websites or any socials or anything that you want to sort of kind of uh promote yes uh, (laughs) um uh, at Chloe Mascheter on Twitter uh, is where you can find out about uh, my games and my streams. I'm also going to be shortly canvassing, so I've got a few ideas of streams I'd like to do, but I want to find out what will be most interesting and useful for people out there. Um, rollflipdraw.co.uk or rollflipdraw.itch.io is where you can um, see my tabletop games, and I'm releasing that bundle of solo games tomorrow. Um, if you look at my Twitter, it's also got a link to my mailing list where you get early access to games each month. You get recommendations of other games, blogs, things like that. Um, and uh, twitch.tv forward slash rollflipstream is where I'm going to be doing a lot more streams very shortly. Currently, it's it's a couple of like odd streams that happen every so often. Um where I'm I'm making up songs about people's like tabletop characters and stuff like that for them but if you keep an eye on that there's some announcements and some more things to come there I I think that is kind of my my general slew of things brilliant 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 okay well thank you very much um so that that's that's it that's that that's our D&D um make sure you you try out um a false hydra um don't look it up because it'll ruin it for you, I but promise. get find somebody who knows about it you, and get them to run one for you. You don't need to convince me not to read mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just because it's it's all mystery and stuff. So if you can find somebody who'll run it, it's generally a one shot. Um, might take a bit, but it's really it's a really good. It's an interesting it's an interesting one to do. Um, but yes, so for tonight, I've been Matt Geary. Uh, with me has been Peter Ray Allison. Good night, everyone. Take care of each other. Uh, safe. Mark Canty. Stay safe. Have a great week. And our great guest, Chloe Mascheter. Thank you so much for having me and thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks. Bye.